Now, I want to tell you a story about 12-year-old Roger. It was 1976, so a long time ago, and oh, I was a skinny boy and short. I was very small, unathletic, but did I have good hair? I had this lion's mane of hair. It uh, had the waves and the volume, and I thought, I can be a Breck boy. I don't know if any of you remember the Breck commercials. I could do commercials for shampoo, and I just needed a talent agent, a talent scout. It just so happened my mom had a friend who knew a talent scout, and so uh, they introduced me to her, and she was astounded. I had all the potential. I had the look to be a star. And I was so encouraged. I thought, finally, this kid catches a break. I can't catch a football, but I can catch a break with this. And so we were very excited. We uh, were waiting for calls from agents and photographers, uh, casting calls, and we waited. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited. And my hope disintegrated into annoyance. And so I bugged my mom. I said, you need to phone this lady and figure out what's going on. Why am I not getting the calls? So she did, and it turns out the woman had a nervous breakdown. Apparently her life had gotten so chaotic and was so busy that, uh, that she had this nervous breakdown, and after our initial meeting, she forgot all about me. And so any talent I had would remain buried. It would remain undiscovered until someone else would discover it, or perhaps it would just be talent that would remain buried forever. Well, I want to talk about buried talent in just a little bit. First of all, I want us to review what we've been talking about all year thus far. We are in week 12 of our sermon series, Short Stories, featuring Jesus from the book of Matthew, all the parables. And um, over the last 11 weeks, we've looked at many different parables, and today is our last day looking at number 12. And what common theme do all these parables have? the kingdom of heaven. They all point to or are dealing with the kingdom of heaven. And so what I want us to do is review the last 11 weeks, but we'll do it all in under three minutes. So let me see if I can take you through the last 11 weeks in under three minutes. Week one, the parable of the sower. We had different soils, good, bad, weedy, rocky. We have to examine our life in the light of a kingdom of heaven mindset. Week two was the parable of the weeds. We have good crop and we have weeds growing together. And at the end of time, they would be sorted for either reward or punishment. Week three, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed and yeast. And we talked about the power of small, that a little goes a long way. That's a principle in the kingdom of heaven. Week four, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. How valuable is heaven to you? It's a question of eternity. In week five, 
the kingdom of heaven is like a fisherman's net. And again, we have this sorting going on between good fish and bad fish. And Jesus explained that at the end of time, angels would separate the wicked from the righteous for either punishment or reward. In week six, the kingdom of heaven is like a king settling accounts, and a merciful attitude affects your end of time eternity, your foreverness. Week seven, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner hiring people, morning, noon, end of day. And it revealed the attitude of the boss as well as the attitude of the workers. The boss gets to decide the reward. Week eight, a man and his two sons. We looked at their attitudes and their actions, as well as a landowner and, a, and the tenants. Their attitudes and actions in both parables were looking at reward and punishment. In week nine, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet. And we looked at the reaction of his invited guests. And whatever their reaction was led to either reward or punishment. In week 10, the wise and faithful servant. Well, the attitude of the servant led to either reward or punishment. Last week was week 11. The kingdom of heaven is like 10 bridesmaids. We have five foolish and five wise. Again, their attitudes, their actions, what they do would lead to either reward or punishment. I think I did it. 11 weeks in under three minutes. Did anyone actually time me? <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Kat. Appreciate it. And now week 12, the kingdom of heaven. It, we're going to be looking at a man who goes away on a journey. And when he comes back, he's going to talk to his servants about what they did with what he gave them. It's another reward versus punishment story that I will tell very shortly. But first of all, I want to ask you this question. Is Jesus interested in your eternity? Is he interested in your forever? He told story after story after story, parable after parable after parable. He wanted to get the point across that eternity is important. We've got to think about it. There is a hell to fear and a heaven to gain. And Jesus talked about thinking about it, dealing with it, because there's either great punishment or great reward. It's as if Jesus says this. Let me put it to you this way. Let me tell you an agriculture story, uh, a farming analogy, or a gardening example. Well, what about a cooking story? We'll talk about yeast. How many ways can I communicate to you that your eternity is important? How about a fishing story? Will you hear that? Or kings and landowners? Will that reach you? What if I tell you a story about a dad and his boys? Can you relate to that? What kind of story do I have to tell you to get you to think about your eternity, your forever? He would say, oh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. How about some wedding stories? What about a king 
Who creates this wedding banquet? Uh, what about bridesmaids? Some wedding stories. Will those reach you? How about servant and master stories? Employer, employee. How can I compel you to hear? Jesus is indeed interested in your eternity. Do whatever it takes. Believers, tell whatever story you can to compel people to believe. The fact is this. You have an amazing story to tell. You have something valuable to share. A talent. Now, talent is a play on words in English. In various translations of the Bible, the King James Version, the Amplified, the English Standard Version, Revised Standard Version, American Standard Version, Good News Version, the Wycliffe, they all um, use the word talent, which is actually a measure of money. It's a weight of precious metal. Other translations of the Bible, they interpret the Greek word talenton as silver or gold. Now, a measure of silver is worth about $22,000. And a measure of gold is worth over a million. That's what a talent is. The point is this. To receive a talent was to receive a hefty sum. Something valuable. And that's why I've titled this message, Brockville's Got Talent. How do you like that? How do you like that? I want us to look at Jesus' parable. It's Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. And we're going to look at the Amplified Version today. I really like the Amplified Version. I want you to think of that Amplified Version as the translation that explains what certain phrases would have meant in the context in which they were delivered, how the hearers would have interpreted them. Verse 14. For it is just like a man who was about to take a journey, and he called his servants together and entrusted them with his possessions. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and then he went on his journey. Let me pause here. I just want to insert that it was a common practice in the ancient Near East for wealthy people to journey, to travel the world. And so what they would do is assign caretakers over their homestead, over their wealth, to look after it while they were gone. And oftentimes they'd be gone a super long time. Now for me, when I go on vacation, I have one neighbor who plows my driveway and then another one who picks up my mail. That's the extent of my wealth. That's all they got to look after for me. Verse 16. The one who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made a profit and gained five more. Likewise, the one who had two made a profit and gained two more. But the one who had received the one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, another author, he suggests this, that Jesus parables, they were designed to challenge 
the conventional wisdom of the day, to get people thinking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God in a new way, in an accurate way, not in the way they had been thinking about it. Burying treasure was not the way to go. Even if in that culture you felt that was the safest thing to do, that every other investment was too risky, that that, that was actually the wise thing to do, Jesus is challenging that conventional wisdom. So verse 19 says, now after a long time, and that's what it really means, a long time. These servants had a long time to think about, to do, to deal with what they were entrusted with. They had a long time. Now after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came and brought him five more, saying, Master, you entrusted to me five talents. See, I've made a profit and gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and trustworthy over little. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in the joy of your master. Also, the one who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've made a profit and gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful and trustworthy over a little. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in the joy of your master. The one who had received one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and demanding man, reaping the harvest where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid to lose the talent, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is your own. But his master answered him, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I reaped the harvest where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed? Then you ought to have put my money with the bankers, and at my return, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has and values his blessings and gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given and he will be richly supplied so that he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, because he's ignored or disregarded his blessings and gifts from God, even what he does have will be taken away. I really like the amplified version. <laughs> it explains a lot. In verse 30, And throw out the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place of grief and torment, there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. Well, isn't that a pleasant parable? Didn't Jesus tell such nice stories? Didn't he? Let me ask you the question again. Is Jesus interested in your eternity? Yes, 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 and yes. So much so that he explained those concepts in multiple ways. 
multiple times over and over again with very descriptive stories, very descriptive parables, so that our attitudes and our actions that we would learn, that that affects our forever existence. And Jesus wants us to align our attitudes and our actions with God's will. The fact is, he taught us that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to align our actions and attitudes rightly and accordingly. Jesus taught us to pay attention to the soil of our lives, to make it good, to evaluate what kind of crop or weeds are growing to see the value and the power of small, to be merciful, to react rightly to a God who is the ultimate landowner and king. And in today's parable, to not underestimate the value of what he gives you. Do not underestimate the value of what he gives you. So how do we do that? How can we learn from these different servants that we've looked at today. How can we turn a profit with what God has given us to bless our king, our God, so that we are proven to be good and faithful servants? I can think of all kinds of ways. Help with my summer rocks. Help out anywhere. Sanitation crew between services. Get involved in groups and share your life with other people. Volunteer in something somewhere. The Brockville Food Bank. How about big brothers and big sisters of Leeds and Grenville? How about our church nursery? Oh my goodness, I was in the church nursery a couple weeks ago. And you think of it as cuddling lovely little bundles of joy, and certainly there is that. But it is a war zone in there. <laughs> Gentlemen, we need some referees. We need some guys in there to help these little ones deal with the separation anxiety as mom trots down the hallway. Help them to play together nicely. Share. Just get on the floor and referee and, and be a friend. That is good ministry. That is investing in the kingdom of heaven. That is sharing some talent. And so I say again, Brockville has got talent. So invest yourself somewhere to yield an eternal reward. Now, honestly, I know that some of you are itching to do it. The fact is, you actually feel hamstrung because you're not allowed to do what you used to do based on COVID restrictions. And you are already ready to invest yourself and your talents in something, somewhere. Others of you may need some encouragement to invest. It's something you've never done before, so as restrictions lift and as opportunities come available, just do it. Do something. Now, one thing that we can do today, I want an application point for today, is phone somebody Show some care. Invest some time by calling somebody that you don't see here today. That's 
that the Holy Spirit will put on your mind and encourage them, pray with them, share with them, invest some time. Now I want us to look at this parable once more to see what we can learn from the servant who the master called wicked and lazy. It's verse 24. The one who had received one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and demanding man, reaping the harvest where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid to lose a talent, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is your own. It seems to me this lazy servant had a certain view about his master, that his master was harsh and demanding. Well, the other servants, they do not make that same assertion. In fact, their actions infer something else altogether. Their actions led them ultimately to be able to share in the joy of their master. And they viewed their master as entrusting vast amounts of money to them. Here, do something with this $100,000 or $20,000 or $5 million or $1 million or $1,000, whatever the actual amount was. Do something with it. I'm entrusting this massive amount of money to you, this talent, to do something with it that will bless me. You're my servant. You have been hired. Maybe you've even been bought. I own you. And that's not a bad thing. Because the master pours out from his own personal resources to his servants. You get my personal resources to do whatever you with, you know, whatever you want with it, to play with it. Now, the lazy servant, he called that harsh and demanding. So I don't think he's got an accurate view of his master. Here's 20 grand. I trust you to do something with it. Who's the person showing faith here? It's the master. The master is showing faith in his servants as he distributes gifts to them. Now, back in first, verse 15, we read this. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and then he went on his journey. Ability. The Greek word is dunamis, which means power or might. It means it's the root of being able or possible. In a way, it's potential. The master can be trusted to give riches that we can handle. God knows us through and through, and he desires to be known through and through so that we don't paint him with the wrong brush of being harsh and demanding. That's not our God. I, I get it. I, I read the Old Testament. I see an angry God. But if you read it, why is he angry? It's always about injustice. If you want to talk to me about the character of God, bring it. <laughs> Call me up. I'm happy to have that talk. Unfortunately, this lazy servant, he had an inaccurate view of his master, 
and he reacted this way. I was afraid, so I went and hid your talent in the ground. Bad decision. Bad move. Do not let fear bury you. We are called to be a people of faith, to trust the master with everything that he gives us and to do something. So I want you to exercise faith. Somewhere where you haven't exercised faith before, I want you to exercise faith. Our view of God, it will inform our attitudes and our actions. He lavishly gives us a talent, a measure according to our ability. So do not underestimate the value of whatever it is that he gives. Do something with it, and uh, he will declare, well done, good and faithful servant. Come share in the joy of your master. I'm going to ask you to stand with me to pray. At home, viewers, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, pray with me. God, you are the great talent scout. <laughs> you have discovered us and trusted us with gifts from your great wealth. God, I trust your Holy Spirit to speak to people here in person as well as our online participants. You are whispering hope to them. You are inspiring dreams. You're identifying talents and affirming their efforts. And God, I trust your spirit to encourage those who are not yet surrendered to you to consider eternity, to think about some of the analogies that Jesus used to compel people to believe and to put their faith in him. And so, God, we pray this prayer. We surrender our lives to you. We give up our agendas to you to follow yours, oh God. We thank you for your abundant gifts, and we receive your blessings with joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.